1 Thessalonians 2.17 says, But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in, in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we were appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were there with you that we would suffer tribulation, just as it happened, and you know. For this season, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to you sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love, that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us, and we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For For what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before God, night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct your way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. And as we continue to move into First Thessalonians, and as we have kind of talked, we've gone through chapter 1 and we've gone through most of chapter 2, and for me, as I continue to go through this, I looked at it as the first three chapters were kind of like his inter- introduction. You know, he hasn't really hit any major doctrinal things. He hasn't gone into correcting anything in the, in the church. And as I was reading it, it just was like, Thessalonians, I, I love you guys, and I miss you guys, and these are the things that I remember of you, and I just I long for you. And as he goes through those first three chapters of just continually to talk to them and encourage them and tell them how much that he misses them, it's almost like a really long introduction, which you think with, with five chapters, you know, three chapters of those are, are just an introduction. But that's how it kind of seems to me. And, it, and it's a way that if you think about it, if you miss somebody that much, if you cared for somebody that much, you would want them to know that. You would want them to know all the positives and, and reassure them that, hey, we were a good countenance. Nobody, they can talk bad about us, but we were good men. You know that. Look, I'm reminding you, and, and Paul just continuing to minister to this church because he loves them so much. But as I read this, it was one of the things that I, I kind of like the Lord was just knocking on my heart is, well, what are we called to do? What are we called to do as Christians? Now, as we read these chapters and we're moving into, into 1 Thessalonians, but we as Christians and they as Christians... What were they called to do? And this would be a time when you guys can blurt out, what are we called to do as Christians? Love one another, even as Christ us. We're called to do that. What's something else? And actually, Jesus specifically said this is what we're supposed to be doing. Go and make disciples. That's what we've been called to do. That is the calling on our lives. So if you ever say, what am I supposed to do in life? I don't know. Go make a disciple. Okay, go out and do it. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. So that is what we are called to do. So as you wake up in the morning, your prayers, you start off the day, you're like, Lord, you know, I've got this problem and that problem and this problem and I've got this going on and this person's mean and I don't like that person and they disliked me on Facebook and all this other stuff. I mean, all these other major things that are going on in our life. But what are we called to do? And I think the distractions in life come in and all the weeds and the tears and all those things get in, into our life into where we, we lose focus on what we're supposed to be focused on. Christine this week on Facebook, I don't, I don't go on Facebook, is what I hear, that on Facebook she posted this wonderful thing and said, if not us, then who? If not you, then who will be that person? And it was convicting, as somebody told me this, because again, I don't read Facebook, but as it was convicting as I looked at that is, what is the call? If that is a call in our life is to go and make disciples and we continue to look at other people to do that, well, isn't that our job? Isn't that the responsibility of each one of us in this room? It's not Pastor Don's job. It's not Pastor Kevin's job. It's not an elder or deacon or Charles Stanley or, you know, name the person, of the, of the pastor that you want to name. It's not their job. That's their job. But it's your job. It's our job. It's our job as a church to go out and make disciples into this community that we live in. Because if not us, then who? Who will do that? If you don't do it, then who will do it? Well, that's the question that we're at right now. And that's where we're at in a society today is that we're too busy work watching Fox News and CNN and our rights are being taken. And we're so worried about the politics of life that we forget about the life. We forget about everything that we're supposed to be doing. So if we're going to, supposed to go and make disciples, well, what is a disciple then? That would be a good question to ask. Well, disciple of Christ is one who believes in his doctrine. Well, what is the doctrine of, of, of what Jesus believed in? Well, I'm not going to tell you right now because I only have 45 more minutes. That's your job. You should know that. Okay, you're a Christian. You're somebody who reads the Bible. You've continued to come to church. That's your job to go find it out. That's your job to listen to different teachings. Your job to study your Bible. Be a Berean and continue to go into it and find out what those doctrines are. I could tell you, but I don't have time. That's Pastor John's, Don's job when he gets back. <laughs> Interrupt his teaching. So We're supposed to rest in his sacrifice. What was the sacrifice that Jesus gave to us? He gave us everything. He laid down his life. And we're supposed to rest in the fact of what Christ did for us on that cross that we don't have to labor. I don't have to go and persevere. And I don't have to, not persevere, I don't have to go do something to obtain a salvation because Christ has already paid for it on the cross. I'm supposed to rest in that. And I'm supposed, it's, it takes, I take on the Spirit. I take on the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that comes into me, that as I go out and do the work of what Christ has called me to do, then the Holy Spirit's the one that comes along and he's already working on that person, they're wooing that person, and they're lying up your day so that as I go out and talk to somebody, the Holy Spirit's already done all the work. He's working in me, he's working in that person, and wow, amazingly, it was a God to win. I can't believe it. I just said hello to this person and they started crying and said, thank you so much, you know, and they fall to their knees and accept Jesus. Now it doesn't happen like that, but, but it could. It could happen like that. Because if we're looking for somebody who's walking in the Spirit, who's following along with what Christ has for us, then why would it not happen that way? If I'm walking that life and I'm looking at those people and the people are following and they're desiring to hear what Jesus has to say, why could it not just be that simple? It can be. I was in a hospital one time 
And I think I've told this story before. And then we're, we're talking to this, this gentle, older gentleman. He was in a Bible study that I was in. And, um, and we're talking, and he'd been talking to his, his roommate or whatever. And, um, and I'm, just, I'm just bugged. I can't, I can't concentrate on what anybody's saying. I'm like, I'm supposed to go talk to this guy. And I'm like delaying it because I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. He's like, you know, much older than I am. And what am I going to say to him? And just your, your mind starts going. And so finally, I'm like uncomfortable. I'm sweating. I can't understand anything that anybody's in. That, I mean, everybody's talking in tongues in the room, you know. <laughs> Amazingly, everybody got the gift real quick. You know, I'm like, what is everybody saying in here? I don't understand the thing that's going on. So I'm fine. And I go over there, you know, like, fine, Lord, I'll be obedient. I go over there and, and I head over. And I just, I look at the guy. And I said, sir, I, I'm so, I don't know you. But I'm, I feel like I'm supposed to ask you, do, do you want to accept Jesus as your Savior? And the guy with tears down this, yes, I do. It's just that simple. Now, is it praise Kevin that, he, that I did it? No, I was begrudgingly, I was, you know, just heading over there and just, okay, fine, Lord, I'll go do it. And, and there's the blessing. It can be that easy if you just listen to the Spirit and you walk in it. He imitates his example. And what, imitate, what imitating Christ's example was what? It's so easy to love others, to, to, die, to die for yourself, to be looking unto others, to constantly be seeking after the Lord, to be up late at night praying, to be up early in the morning praying. I mean, that's what an example that Christ laid for us throughout his entire life of the three years of ministry that we get to see. I mean, it's wonderful. Those, that, but that's what makes a disciple. If you look at your life, am I doing those things? Am I, am I actively walking in what Christ has asked me to do? Am I relying on the Spirit? Am I resting in the sacrifice that He has given me? Well, that's just what we see within Paul's ministry as well. We see Paul being uh, just a, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He gets saved. You know, Christ does an amazing 180 on him. And then he becomes, you know, Paul of who we see. And somebody who was just outstandingly just on fire for the Lord and just going anywhere and anywhere and just talking about Jesus and relying on him and all the time. And as we move into back into chapter 2 and 17, it says, But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face in great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, our joy, or crown of, re- of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at, this, at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. And as we look at this, we look at Paul's church of what he had started here, and there's such a love that he has for them. And as we talked again about the church, you know, the last couple of weeks, it was, a, it was a church that was, if you go back into chapter 1, it was a church that had a work of faith. I mean, they, they had a faith and they understand that there was work that needed to be done, that people just don't show up to your door and want to accept Jesus, or they don't just show up at your church, that you had to go out and be in the community and you had to go and love others and you had to, to sacrifice for them, and that they were a labor of love and they just continued to, to bless others and, and walk in their lives and, and help them out. And then there was a patience of hope that they had, and it was a solid certainty. They had a solid certainty of what they believed in and who they were and who Christ was. They had a solid certainty of what they believed. If you turn back to verse chapter 1, 8 and 10 real quick. He says, For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God and from idols to serve the living and true God, and, and to wait for his Son from heaven, 
whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. You're like, wait, what's he going to say now, you know? That would have been great, except we're all here, so hopefully that didn't happen. So, <laughs> Spam! So verse 8 and 10, so, he, so their, their testimony of who the church is has just gone out, and everybody hears about them. And what a testimony that they have that they are a work of faith and that they're a labor of love and that they have patience of hope and that their testimony, Paul doesn't have to go and try to find out. It automatically comes to him. Does your testimony of who you are in Christ automatically come to those people who are around you? Do you know that? Do people even know that you're a Christian? I mean, it's like Don says all the time, if, if Christianity became illegal, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Man, that's a great that's a great talking point to be understand. Do do I live a life worthy of Jesus Christ? Well, Paul had done that, and he had he had ministered and he had created disciples within Thessalonica. And so, as we move into that seventeen and twenty, he says, "Look, you are our glory. When I look at you, you are it. I just I am so thankful. And I love you guys so much." And as I was driving to, to Lakeland a couple of weeks ago, it just it, it knocked on me that our, our, our goal is to bring people to Jesus. That's, that's our goal, okay? So our, our goal is to create disciples, but, but within that is the ministry of life. It's the ministry of life. Our goal is to bring people to Christ, to bring, make, and to go and make disciples, but within that is, is the ministry of life. And it's the ministry of their life, but it's the ministry of our life. Because, see, if, if we are a disciple and we go out and make disciples, well, then that becomes who we are. We, we are in ministry within ourselves. You don't have to have a Calvary Chapel logo. You don't have to have a, a name behind you or anything like that. It's the ministry of your life. As you go out into the community that's around you and your family and your friends, and as Paul had done, he had gone out and he said, look, I, I, I want to go and, and tell people about Jesus Christ. They said, well, look, back at the beginning, look, you've got to get out of here because you're too hot, okay, because people are going to kill you, people are going to kill us. Go, go, go tell the Gentiles. And he's like, that's what I want to do. I'm out of here. And he heads out, and he goes. He didn't care. He didn't have to have a title, a logo. Trust me, Paul didn't need any of that stuff. He was going to do it regardless, okay? But he just went out and did it. So as I was looking at this, the, the, the scriptures here, I came up with five ingredients to a life of ministry. Now, this is not exhaustive. You could probably come up with a hundred. Um, people who are much well more versed within the scriptures could probably do a lot better. But these are my five that I got today. The first one that you have for our five ingredients of life ministry is the first one is you have to invest. You have to have investment. And we see this if you go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, 5 and 6. It says, For our gospel did not come to you in, in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. 
So the, for the first one, there has to be investment, okay? There has to be investment into something. And so as he goes into it in chapter 1, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And so the gospel did not just come in word, okay? Now, the gospel has to come in word, correct? I mean, somebody has to speak it. Somebody has to talk it. Somebody in, in nowhere Africa or nowhere Montana, they don't just, oh, that's the gospel, I'll follow it. They have to have somebody has to go and tell them. And so that's our job to do it. So the gospel had to come to them. There had to be investment, but there also, it came in power. It came in power. And we talked about it. What does what the pow- word power come from? Anybody remember? Dynamite. dynamite, dunamis, right? Dynamite, dynamite, all right? The power, okay? So Romans 1.16, the same verse that I used last time when we talked about this, it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. So we have to have that understand that there's the the word goes out but it comes in power and as i spoke last time is if you go in a restaurant and you say buddha everybody's still talking but if you say jesus people will turn and look why because there's power within that name it doesn't matter where you're at you know nobody uses buddha as a cuss word you know they use you know jesus as a cuss word why because there's a little friction there there's a little something that's extra there because there is power and within the name of jesus christ but it also came in, in the spirit, as we see here. It came in the spirit, and we talked about this. That again, it doesn't matter what I do. Again, just as I spoke a little while ago, the Holy Spirit is the one that comes alongside of us and is the one that does the work. So I can go out and work in my own flesh, but if I don't have the Holy Spirit with me, it doesn't work. So the Holy Spirit is the conduit that we need to be able to move forward. So also it came in much assurance. And assurance here, it means that they, they, they spoke with confidence, that they had to believe what they believed. And I talked about that too, that it would, be, it would be terrible if I got up here and I used some examples, and I'm not going to use those examples anymore. I felt convicted. I used examples of, of other people who don't believe, per se, what they, what they teach. And how terrible that is to be able to come up here and just and, and, and act like I believe what I'm talking about and not. I mean, you have to have some substance to your life. And how terrible it would be for, for us as we go home to have one image that we have with when we're here at church but not to have that same assurance and not that same lifestyle when we go home. You know, you're like, oh, Kevin just loves his kids. He's hugging on them all the time and kissing them. And then I get home and it's like, whoosh, 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 you know, get in your rooms. I don't want to talk to you anymore. And we're like, wow, that's not a really good guy, you know. But that's not, that's not who I am, okay. Just ask him. She's over there. She's smiling. All right. She's smiling still. You better smile. No, it's kidding. So, but there's assurance in what we speak. There's assurance in what we believe. And when we get up here, I wouldn't do this if I didn't believe it. I mean, I wouldn't invest the time, and Pastor Don wouldn't invest his life into something if, if we didn't believe it. But more importantly, you shouldn't either. When I go back to saying you should know the doctrines of what Jesus spoke, you should know the doctrines of what Christ is, well, you don't have a foundation if you don't know those things. Okay? Don't believe me. Believe Just like Paul said, he talked about the Bereans. You know, go... Be, be somebody that goes home tonight and, and well, I didn't understand what talk Kevin was talking about today. Go, go look it up. Don't trust me. Go and look it up in your scriptures and you come back to me and say, Kevin, you said this, but did you really mean this instead? You know, no, I didn't mean that. No, but no, it's... <laughs> but, but believe it and have an understanding so that you have a substance. It's just like the, the, the youth doing the, 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 the study that they're doing on Wednesday. It's a truth project. It's so that they have an understanding of what they're, what they're coming up against. You, if you don't have an understanding of a foundation, well, then it's built on sand, and it just crumbles away, and it's gone. And you see so many Christians come in and leave because there's no foundation. I'm excited 
and then I'm gone when something happens. Having received the, the word in much affliction with joy and holy sp- and of the Holy Spirit, Paul times Paul Paul Paul, Paul was there and spent so much time with them because he had he invested the time with them. He invested everything that he had. And he was saying, look, I, I love you guys and I love Jesus Christ and I want you guys to get it. And they got it to such a point, as it says in just a couple more verses, that everybody in the area knew because that was the investment that he had placed in their life. Number two is sacrifice. You move over to chapter 2, verse 2. It says, but even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated in Philippi, as you know, we were, we were bold in our God to speak to, the, to you the gospel of God in much conflict. And in, and in Acts chapter 16, you can read about when he goes into to Philippi, and you guys know the story, okay? We've talked about it, how he went in into that town and they arrested him. And they didn't just arrest him, they beat him. And then they threw him in chains, okay? And then the, the, the jail rocks, okay? And then they're, they could be free, but they stop. And that's how the jailer gets saved. And he takes them home and his family gets saved and they all get baptized, Okay, because Paul said, no, I'm not going to go. But he was willing to make a sacrifice. He was willing to go into a town. He was willing to get, be spitefully treated. He was willing to get beat up for Jesus Christ. And he was willing to get beat up, more importantly also, because he loved the, the, the city there. And then he loved And When he goes into the Thessalonica, the same thing happens. They get mistreated. And every city that he goes into, Paul's all out. You know, he's willing to get beaten, even to a point where he goes and sees the third heaven. And he you know, comes back down. I mean, he's, Paul has been, he's been dead, you know. And he comes back to life because people are stoning. And he doesn't care because the sacrifice that he's willing to make, he says, look, I know that they won't get it. I know that there will be no, you know, no way for them to see it unless I'm willing to put it all on the line. And we talked about it too at one time for I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who lives but Christ who lives with me until we're willing to make that chance, that decision, until we're willing to put it all on the line, then what are you living for? I mean, you don't just sit there and, and follow Jesus because I want stuff. Well, everything's good in my life. Man, ever since I you know, started following Christ, ever since I started doing my devotions in the morning, man, everything's been wonderful. You know, I catch every light on the way to work, and I got a raise at work, and I, you know, I, I lost five pounds, and it's just been great. I mean, just by doing my devotions, I mean, God is just so good. No, stop it. Be all on the line to say, look, even when things go bad, and I catch every light on the way in, and I've lost my job, and I put on 10 pounds, I still love Jesus because it doesn't matter about the tangible things in this world because it's all gone anyways. 1 Thessalonians 2, 3, and 9, it talks about them being falsely accused. That they were, that they were just, that they were, the reason that whole, almost all of chapter 2 was talking about is he was trying to right the wrong of what the city was saying about them. Don't believe Paul because they're this kind. They're this person. They're that person. He was like, no, 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 no. That's not me at all. You guys know it. I lived with you. You saw me work day and night. You saw me live a lifestyle that was just, was out, not, not in that way at all. So first there has to be investment. There has to be sacrifice. The third thing that we see is giving. Move over to chapter 3, please. Verse 1, it says, Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know 
that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before, when we were with you, that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened. And you know, for this this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor had been in vain. And the giving that I'm talking about here is not, it's not giving of money. Okay, giving of money is easy. I mean, uh, an earthquake happens in Haiti and they raise a billion dollars because it's, it's easy. I can feel bad about the situation and then I can donate $20 on a text and then I feel good about myself. Okay, so I'm not talking about the giving as far as that side, as far as the money. I'm talking about one that's much harder. I'm talking about the emotional. I'm talking about the giving of your time and of your effort and of your love. Because see, Paul, when he's talking about here, he says, you know, when I can endure it no longer, and he says it twice, and it's the same word, when I can endure it no longer, when I could not conceal it anymore. I mean, just, it was just bubbling inside of him where he just, he couldn't, he just couldn't handle it anymore. When I, when I kept thinking about you guys and just pondering and making sure that Satan hadn't tempted you and you guys hadn't gone away, that it was just the burning inside of me, I just couldn't handle it anymore. I, I had to send Timothy to you. I just couldn't do it anymore. And maybe you've had somebody like that in your life where you just, you, you love them so much and you don't get to see them anymore. And, you know, my sister and my nephew are here and you just, you don't get to see them and you just, it just, it bubbles inside of you where you're like, gosh, I just, what's going on with you? What's going on in your life? And I care for you. And what's happening within your ministry? And, and, and yes, I hear stories about you, but I want to see you. I want to make sure things are fine. That's the kind of giving that it takes in ministry. I mean, again, investment is, imp- is important. You know, sacrifice is important. But, but emotionally giving of yourself and of your life, if I had to pick a favorite out of all these, that would be the one. And I told you guys several times about the struggle that I had with the Lord. Uh, this area in my life is, is giving of myself, giving of my emotions, because I didn't want to do that. I still wanted to have control over, you know, if I was going to cry or if I was going to be emotionally invested in somebody because I just, I didn't want that kind because then you're out of control. You know, if I keep my emotions here, I'm in control of everything. But if I, if I lay them on the line, when you get married, you, you, you give your heart to somebody and you're, you're nervous, you're scared because this is my heart, Christine. And, you know, and I'm trusting you because I trust you more than anybody else in the world. And, and here it is. And that's, that's a big step. And then when you're in ministry and you, you invest your life and you invest your time into people, and, and, and as Paul's doing this with the, the church here, he's, he's, he's scared and he's nervous and they're, they're children to him. So much to the point where he sends Timothy. And, and if you read the book of Philippians, he talks about Timothy saying, look, I have nobody else like Timothy. Timothy is like a son to him. I'm sending you my, my, my lieutenant because I, I care for you guys so much. I can't make it myself, but this is like, this is like me being there. I'm going to send Timothy down to you. Our life must be lived with eternity in view. And as one commentator said, there was a simple poem that says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And as you see all these people that have built up these wonderful empires and at some point they're just a, a moment, you know, in a history book. If you're lucky, we went to D.C., you might get a statue or you might get a building or a street named after you. We're going by these streets and I know who this person is, you know, and I think I know a little bit about American history. No clue. He's got a street, but who is the guy? I don't know who he is. 
If you change somebody's life, you've changed their life and their destiny and their eternity forever. Just by talking to them about who Jesus is. Just by talking to them about the fact that, that they have sin here and with that sin, they can't be having a relationship with a, a holy God. That there needs to be an intermediator there. It's not a difficult understanding or topic to talk about because there's so many opportunities in the world today with everything that's going on to be able to sit there and just strike up a conversation. People love to talk. And you can do that. And you can just have a wonderful conversation with somebody and just allow it to lead to wherever Christ would want it to lead. But you have to be willing to give. You have to be willing to invest into somebody's life. The fourth thing I've got is there's, there's ups and there's downs in ministry. But now that Timothy, verse 6, has come to us from you and brought us good news for your faith and love and, you always, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all of our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. So even though they're going through all this pain and all this suffering, it brought us joy in the suffering to hear of the wonderful news that we got from Timothy. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. First, before I go on to the ups and downs, verse 10 says, night and day praying exceedingly. And l- let me just say this, and this is, this is free Bible because it's not my notes, is that um, if we as a church, if we as Christians were to put down all the other stuff and pray exceedingly day or night, I, I would think that a lot of things would change within this country. I would think a lot of things would change within our own personal lives. And look, I, it's conviction here too, so I'm not preaching just to you, it's three point back at me okay so because it's probably triply worse on my side but it's it, the fact is is if we were to put all these other things down and genuinely pray and cry out to god i think amazing things would happen not within just this church but within the country i mean if we we're sitting there saying how can god do this and god's like you know what are you talking about you know you watch espn more than you open your bible you watch flip-flop or you watch whatever dancing with whoever and and the bachelorette and whatever what are the other shows are on Anybody know these shows? Everybody's like, I am not speaking right now. <laughs> I gave you I gave you the other one. I gave you dynamite, but I'm not giving you anything else, okay? That's it. We're done. Pray, church. Pray. Ups and downs in life. And right now Paul's going through an up here, okay? Actually he's in a down because he's still in a in a bad spot. But he's happy. He's up because he's hearing information about from Timothy about the church. And he's happy about it. He says, Timothy has brought us good news and all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake. Paul is so excited for them and how they're growing and that they're trusting in the Lord. And how wonderful it is here to good news. You know, you know Debbie's daughter to come back and can't wait to hear about you know being in Tennessee and and so many others just of different things that you've heard of that you're like I can't wait to hear the the input of what's going on I can't wait to see what happened in that area in your life and, and you hear this information that comes back but then on the other side in, in ministry and in life there there are downs are there downs in life I'm just wondering there are downs I, I I've had. I've had many at this point, unfortunately. You know, I've had people that have been arrested 
I've had people that are in prison currently that I've ministered to, um, drugs, alcoholic, infidelity. Um, unfortunately, I, I could probably say more there, you know, and that's just that's just me. That's the people that I've. Here's my heart, you know, and um, currently, Christine and I knew two couples that are either currently separated or about to be separated, you know, and they're Christian, so it's not like it's the world or anything like that. Um, people that that love each other, people that love the Lord, people with children, and, and you look at that and and it's hurtful because it's people that you care about, you care about them, you care about the Lord in their relationship. You care about their children because, again, their children, they don't have any choice in it. They don't have any decision in it. And so your heart goes out to them and you reach out and you try to do what you can and you try to um, to invest into their lives. But if they're not there and they're not willing, then what are you to do? You pray. But see, that's that's the, the world that we got, we live in around us. And that's just, again, that's just us. That's just where I'm at. But where where are you guys at? Where are you guys at and, and your neighbor or your friend? Or maybe I'll, maybe you know some of these people. I mean, it's a small town, it's a small church. It's hard, you know, because again, like I said, for me personally, when I have my emotions in me, I'm in control of what how I'm gonna get hurt and how I'm not gonna get hurt. But when you put your heart out um, I've learned that to understand that it's that that person didn't sin against me, that that person sinned against the Lord. You know, he convicted me one time, and um, this, this certain person he, he got arrested. <laughs> I was like, "Are you serious? You know, for that? You know, what in the world?" And um, and the Lord said, "What are you upset about? You know, he didn't sin against you. He sinned against me. You know, go back and minister to like I've called you to do. And and but you don't want to." You know, Lord, and he's like, well, are you going to be crucified to me or are you not? And that's where we all are in this room. You know, as we look over the four that I've already said, is it's not it's not a great thing to be able to sit there and go, well, I can stay within my house and I can and I can affect just the people within that house. Or I can sit there and say, you know what, I'm going to start taking chances and I'm going to invest in my neighbor or I'm going to invest in my friend and and actually ask them a hard question, not just you know who's who they think is going to be you know win the football game or who they're going to win, it's, who's going to be traded. I mean, we're going to start having actually having real conversation in life, not just hey, how's work going? Did you get any sales this week? Oh yeah, I got a couple, you know, and, and doing all that. And what's going on with you and your wife? Are you guys all right? What? What do you? Wh- where'd that come from? Just thought I'd be real for a change, you know? I mean, because we all have issues within our lives. I mean, there's things that are going on in each one of us in this room right now. I mean, we could sit here and I could go through the room and there's your praying day and night exceedingly, okay? Because we all have issues and needs, but we all stay within this little box because ah, I don't want anybody else to know. How are we supposed to help each other? How is the minute, if we're supposed to minister and make disciples on the outside, if we can't trust each other within a room like this with other Christians, with other believers, if we can't sit there and, and minister to each other, then what good are we going outside of the door and trying to talk to others as well? 
See, again, it has to, at some point, Paul said, look, I'm going to get out of town and I'm going to go and I'm going to minister and I'm going to tell people about Jesus. And then he invested in his life and he sacrificed it and he went through the ups and the downs and he said, look, I'm going to do it and I'm going to get out there and I'm going to write these stories and have them written just so that people will understand what's happening in life and what it is truly to be a disciple of who Jesus Christ wants us to be. Number five said, for them to create is for them to create disciples. Our ultimate goal is if we create disciples, it's for that person then to turn around and be able to create disciples on their own, correct? I mean, so you want to sit there for life and be with this one person because then I've converted one person and you know, I'm going to heaven. Right? I did my job, I got my little check, and I'm out, okay? No, we want to them to be able to create a disciple so that we can go then find somebody else. And now we've got, you know, as Don has done the thing before we won, turns to two, four, six, you know, four, eight, sixteen, and I'll let you guys continue the rest. As we continue to go out, all that would be done within 10, 15 years or something like that. I mean, it was like, it was a ridiculous amount of number as far as what would be done. But that's what happens when we go out and we create other disciples. Verse 11 says, Now many, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and with all his saints. And so for in verse 12, Paul wants them to understand that he goes, look, it, it's, it's all about love. Okay, I want you to increase. I want you to exist in abundance is what that word means, increase. And I want you to abound. I want you to cause one to excel. I want you to just absolutely exist in abundance of love towards other people. Because again, nothing happens in life without love. I can't, if I don't like that person there, I'm going to have a hard time talking and ministering to that person. But if I have the understanding that I need to have the eyes of what Christ has, and I need to love that person and understand that they need a Savior, and that I don't want them to spend eternity in hell, then I need to understand that I need to love that person. So I need to exist in a point where I have just an abundance of love that I can just walk up to that person, sit down, and have a conversation. What would be the hardest person for you to talk to right now? Don't say it out loud right now, okay? <laughs> you, no. Um, one of the people I would say, and I'll just, for the stereotype because they're on the news right now so much, is it would either be a homosexual, okay, or a transgender person. That's probably, that's on the news right now. We're all like, ah, I could never talk to that person. I just, you know, well, why not? Because see, at the same point is, would it be uncomfortable? might be uncomfortable, okay? We're probably not on the same level playing field as far as what my beliefs are and their beliefs are, okay? That's, that's, Probably a pretty true for most of us in the room. But do they still need Jesus Christ? And, and I believe John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. Okay, so that would include everybody within that. That would include the alcoholic. That would include the adulterer. That would include the drug addict. That would include the transgender. That would include the homosexual. That would include all these different people. And so it's not our job to sit there and decide who I'm going to love. The Bible just instructs me that God, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. So if, if God decided that he loved them and that he loved me and despite all the sins and the problems that I have in my life, well, then who am I to make a judge then at that point of who gets to go to heaven or who doesn't? I should sit there and say, well, Jesus died for that person. Let me find a way to strike up, strike up a conversation. I have a transgendered, transgendered, I don't even know how to say the word anymore, transgendered customer and he bought a car from us this week. It, it's he, he dresses like a she, 
but but he, he bought a car. And I'll tell you right now, great customer. So I'll, I'll continue to sell this man cars for as <laughs> long as he wants to dress that way. Doesn't matter to me, okay? So on, on the business side, I'm all for it. But he trusts our business. Now, now listen, our business is called Trinity Motors, and there's a fish on the front. He knows exactly where we stand as far as our beliefs. Okay, never came up in conversation, but he, there's a trust factor that we have between the two of us. He trusts us. He cares for us. Okay, so as we continue to now to have these conversations, it used to be Dave's customer. Now I'm able to have a different conversation, and now we're able to strike up some other conversations that happen. But who am I again to make the judge on if that person has the right to, to go to heaven or not? It's not mine. My job is to go out and make a disciple and to love into this person and show them that Jesus Christ loves them as well. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, Now abide in faith, hope, and love. Okay, now, now faith, hope, and love, those are pretty awesome things. You might even see them in a house if you go to it sometime. You know? There's faith, hope, and love. You see them all over the place as far as... All very important things. We have to have faith, right? But at some point, we're not going to need faith anymore, correct? At some point, we're going to be in he- heaven, and we're not going to have to have faith. We're actually going to see Jesus Christ. And at some point, we're not going to have to hope for it, right? Because he's either going to call us out or we're going to pass away and we're going to wake up there and everything's going to be... But we will always need love. And that's why when he says, look, the greatest of these is love, it's because, again, that is the greatest of all things, is love. And as soon as we start putting up our borders around our churches and you see the, the, the certain Baptist church all that, that goes to the different funerals and things like that and, and slurs out just hatred towards people, that's not the love of Jesus Christ. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a point where that just needs to kind of go away, does it not? I mean, there's a point where you want to just, you understand when Jesus had righteous anger when he went into the temples and started tossing over things and making whips and just, you know, I, I want to whip some of those people. I mean, it's just a thing that they're doing and, and Jesus' name just makes you want to just, just lose it, you know? So, but, um, so I don't go around those people. So you'd see Kevin out there, hey! In the name of Jesus. No. So, but to have love is something that they learned from Paul. And to have love is something that they saw within the lifestyle of what Paul was. And to have love is, is when he could endure it no longer. I had to. I, it just was bubbling. I couldn't stand it anymore. I had to find out. With the joy and rejoicing despite the fact that we were in the afflictions and distress that we were in. It's the love that he continues to pour out to them. You know, verse 13 says, one day the Lord Jesus is coming. And, and it's a point that, that all of us in this room are going to have to understand that. All of us in this room have to understand that at one, some point, Jesus Christ is going to come back for us. Um, and, and, and whether it's while we're still living, obviously we're a church that believes that we are in the last days and that that's going to happen you know, before we perish. Um, but Jesus Christ is going to come back at some point and it, and it gets to a point where, so if, we, if we're going to go and make disciples, we probably need to make sure that everybody that's within this room is, is a disciple as well. Everybody in this room has a relationship with who Jesus is. And, and, and that doesn't happen and you can't go out and make disciples unless you're a disciple already. I, um, something else that really bugged me about a month ago there was um, you know we all have different kinds of witnessing that we do you know some of us are, are Paul we just throw it out there and let the chips land wherever they go um, some of us are more relational you know we gotta 
we got to love on the person a little bit, build up a friendship, and then we can kind of bring it in there. You know, and I talked about last week, don't be one of those people who, you know, sucker punch them with the, with the love of Christ, you know, be forward with them and understand who they are. Uh, there was a, a one of our vendors, he's a driver for Napa. Um, his name was Larry. Um, and uh, I had known Larry for two or three years at this point, probably. And um, he had recently had, had contracted, um, he had a cancer and um, and so, hey, you know, I told him, you know, and using the the opportunity to say, hey, I'd be, I'd be praying for you. you know, let me know is there something that you've been that you need or whatever, please. And he would always come in. He was an Irish guy, so he had the whole Irish thing going. And um, well, actually, Larry passed away from a heart attack. It wasn't the cancer. And um, and it, and it really bugged me is because all the rain it bugged me because I just hadn't got there yet and I mean I'm not responsible for if Larry's in heaven or not you know we all have our responsibilities we all understand who God is And but where was my spot within that because I didn't want to ruffle any feathers I didn't want to step on any toes and you know it was more of a relationship as far as how we were going about the witnessing to him and you know at some point we we overanalyze the fact of what we're called to do at the point where you know we have a business relationship or I don't want to be that guy that you see on the side of the road that's holding the sign um, because how is that how is that bringing anybody to Jesus you know well one they know you know at least then that they have to make a decision you know, we as Christians look at him and go, "Why are you doing that? This is so wrong." But at least he's being straightforward. And there's a point where he's at least expressing who Jesus Christ is, and that you're a sinner, and if you don't repent, you're going to go to hell. As opposed to my relationship ministry that didn't work, and I don't know if Larry's going to be in heaven or not. And so it bugged me. And I told Christine too. I said it was just, it's just a hard thing. You know, you th- you're, as I as I continue to teach up here that tomorrow is not promised. It's not promised. It's not promised for me, and it's not promised to the person that you're witnessing to, or the person that you care for, or the loved one that you're witnessing to, the loved one that you care for, or your friend, or whoever that it is. Tomorrow is not promised. And as we sit back in our own little, you know, comfortable seats and, and get so lost in everything else that's going on in life, we forget the real purpose again, is if we're called to be disciples, then go out and make disciples. Don't sit there and try, try to you know, overthink it or have a Christianized understanding as far as, well, I'm on a relationship, you know, ministry with this one, and on this one I'm going to be a little bit more outgoing, and this one I'm going to trust in the Spirit to go ahead and say something now. But say it. Because, again, tomorrow's not promised. And as I said last time I talked too, same as today, look, I'm not hiding anything. If you're in this room now and you don't have a relationship with Christ, then you need to come and see one of us after service, and let's pray. Let's accept Jesus in your heart so that we have an understand, we both have an understanding that you're going to be in heaven, because again, as Paul has said here, look, Christ is coming back for us. That is a that is a promise. It's going to happen. He spoke everything into existence, and at some point, everything is going to end. And if you're in the room today and you don't have that relationship, today is the day. 
It's today. It's not tomorrow. I don't want you to be like Larry because today is the day of salvation. And so if you see me more now, I, I will tell you now, I will be more advanced in my ministry. I will be more advanced in my talking about who Jesus is. I will be more advanced in, in the fact if you don't know who Christ is, I want to make sure that you have salvation. And if it becomes a point after every service, whenever it's teaching, that's, you're going to have the opportunity. And so if you have friends that don't know who Christ is, then you can invite them because they're, they're going to have the opportunity to know who the Lord is. And, and, I'll, and I'll even throw it back on you. If they don't know who Christ is, then I'm hoping that they've heard it from you when you bring them in here. Because, again, it's, it's not my responsibility. It's not Pastor Don's. I will do it because I have the conviction now that I'm, just, I'm not going to allow that to happen again. But then I look at you guys and say, you need to have the same conviction. Because somebody has did the same thing for you to sit there and say, look, I'm willing to invest in you. I'm willing to sacrifice into you. And I'm willing to just pour everything into you and go through the ups and downs of who you are because I want to make sure that you know who Jesus is. And that's what it's all about. It's about the fact that Christ is coming back and he's coming back for each one of us. And tomorrow is not promised, Christian. So I pray for you guys and I pray for myself that we will have an understanding of who that is. Father God, we thank you so much for today, Lord. And Lord, I pray right now that, Father, if, if there is anyone in the room today that doesn't know you, doesn't have a relationship with you, God, that, um, that it wasn't my words, Lord, that I pray that your spirit has gone out, Father, and has touched the hearts that need to know who you are. And that, Father, that you have wooed them and you have, you have brought them to the point that they understand that there is a separation between you and them. But that, Father, they understand that they're a sinner, just like all of us are sinners in this room. And Lord, that they understand that Jesus lived that sinless life so that he would be a sacrifice for us, God. And that he would go to the cross and pay the salvation price that needed for us, Lord. I pray that if anybody does not know you, Lord, I pray that anybody who is in a backslidden state right now, Lord, that anybody in this room right now that feels that right now they are not in the place that they need to be with you. And God, today is the day to get it right, Lord. Father, that we could all rejoice with you, Lord. God, I am so thankful that you have gone into my life and have changed just not my destination, Lord, but with my wife and my kids and my family, Lord, and just, you have been a complete blessing. Father, I pray for this church that, as Pastor Don said last week, you guys are loved. You're loved by your pastor. You're loved by all of your pastors. We pray for you continually. We pray for the needs of this church, Lord. We pray for the relationships within this church, Lord. Pray for the finances of those that are in this church, Lord. Pray for the health of this church. Lord, we still pray for Ross LaPointe, God, that you would just touch this man's body. I still believe that, Lord, that you could touch him right now and he could walk. God, don't allow us to lose faith. Don't allow us to lose focus by the things of the world or the temptations of what's going on, God but allow us to stay truly focused on you.